Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Opportunity to go into the film school and uh, 
and uh, and really and learn myself. You and I were just talking before the show. It's like I've been actually going to film school myself for a year and a half. You know, just sort of really really learning a lot and. And for for me to really understand the youth and where they're coming from and to pass the baton, it's a, it's a very important thing. You know, I think a lot of it is like why we do the show, why you're doing the show, why your guests come on as well. It's passing information along to others, and and that's a that's an important part of our lives too to do that. So very happy, very happy. Well, you know, it it's it is an amazing thing. I mean, you've had an, an, an illustrious career, and you've done everything, and you've been a first assistant director, and you're director, and you've directed you know shows and documentaries, and you know everything. Um, but the the ability to teach and to share information, especially when you have the experience. I mean, it's one thing, you know. There's there's always this thing that those who can't teach and those who do do and all that kind of stuff. But really, when you've done as much as you have done, and then you're able to pass that along and share it. Uh, it it is interesting, isn't it? How much you actually continue to cement your own learnings and learn things, you know, and think about it in different ways that you may not have thought about it previously. Well, exactly. I mean, you're in front of a class and you're teaching. You have to prepare your course. You have to figure out, you know, what you're what you're doing or the, the what's what are you talking about? And when you sit down to write things out or put it out, all of a sudden you go, where did that come from? Because after a while, you just know it by rote. I mean, it's like anything in life, right? You I always equate everything to like driving a car. You know, when you're first learning to drive a car, it's like you're, you know, the wind, you know where you have to open it up and your seatbelt on and everything's in your head, right? And you have to sit, adjust the mirror and you're really, you know, looking over your shoulder and you're just like always. Now it's like the car drives by itself and you're on the cell phone drinking a coffee at the same time and you magically get to your place and you don't even know it. Um, or turn on a computer, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's like we, we know all this stuff. And uh, we have to get it out, and sometimes that's the hard part. And some there's brilliant people, maybe they can't teach either because it's all in their head and then how to get it out. But I enjoy it a lot, and, and uh, like you said, it's, it is awakening when you write stuff down and you go, whoa, I, I do know something. Or, how, or if I don't know something, or there's another question about something, then you try to find that out. Because, I mean, I've said in both my series with you that my 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 best quote of the film business is Frank is from Frank Capra, which is there are no rules in filmmaking, only sins, and the cardinal sin is dullness. And that first part is I use all the time because people will say, yeah, but what about this? And you go, well, you're right. You know, there's almost sometimes other than physics, uh, when you're dealing with writing and directing and the, that really creative area, there's almost not one answer because it's all subjective. You know, where physics is well, if you if you take the lens and you go rack it this way, it's the picture's out of focus, and everybody can agree with that. That's physics, right? <laughs> but right. Now, the rest is open to interpretation, and so it should be, and that's the key thing. I mean, we've got three or four directing instructors at the school, and the classes will go, well, last you know, last class, um, you know, Roy said something about this, and I said, yeah, isn't that great? We're kind of giving you this, but we're just sort of taking a, sa- a different direction to get to the same place, and that's really important for everybody to know, so... No, that's that's that is that is that is absolutely fascinating. And uh, oh, somebody said uh, that at the chat room, Mike says, "I love being here. Great show. Are you having any problems with Twitter today?" Yes, absolutely. Whatever's going on with Twitter, I have no, I don't know, I don't know. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, the internet. Yes, uh, yeah, the internet is an amazing thing. Uh, and I want to thank everybody, uh, Mike and, and Graham and everyone who, uh, Jake and the people who are in the chat room whose names I don't know, all the people who tweet and retweet and support the show and, and send love and share it, you know, and leave comments. I, I, I can't tell each and every one of you. I wish I could in person just, like, grab you by the hand, shake your hands, look you in the eye and go, thanks so much, because it is. It means so much to me and my guests that uh, you help us spread the word the way you do. So thank mm-hmm. you. And to those who may be listening archive to who are in the chat room with us, um, what I wanted to say is, is, is you and I talked about something last time, and and I've been in the in the in the time that you and I spoke last, I've been judging a couple different film festivals and have attended one. I'll be attending the Pepin Film Festival, which is coming up October 21st through 23rd in Pepin, Wisconsin. The Flyway Film Festival, actually, is the name of it, and I'll be there with Ted Hope and some other people, and it's going to be a great time. But and I'm not judging there, but the and John Reese is there. Think outside the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm not jo- I know John. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but but so I've had to screen a lot of movies by DVD, which is you know a, a, a perk in in many ways of, mm-hmm. of being a judge, uh, and also you know uh, 
a really tough time because you see movies that are really horrible. You know, <laughs> some yes. some are in for inclusion. You know, or should we allow these in or not? And others are. Here's the ones that have made it in. You know, how, how do we rate them and 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 that kind of thing. So. But you and I had talked about, you know, learning what to do and what not to do by watching movies of all kinds. And I and I bring this up because of the Frank Capra comment, you know, that the, mm-hmm. the cardinal sin is dullness. And that in watching all these movies, when you see things that you really don't like, you and I mentioned this last time, you know, you really can learn from that. You can you can look at it and go, boy, I you know, don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do something else, you know. Make your film interesting and entertaining, and you know, and and don't be dull. And uh, so um, I, I bring that up because all of us, you know, who are listening to the show right now, you know, you can, you can put a movie in, and you might like it, you might hate it, uh, but you can absolutely learn from it. Yes. And you, and you can listen to what Peter's been saying during the course of the directing this director's series. And and go back and then you know wearing different kinds of lenses I guess I would I would say to focus on the different aspects of of what the director does and what the tools are and 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 what mm-hmm. perceptions you know Peter is is uh, pointing us at uh, we can go back and look at that same film say one two three ten times and and continue this education so it's it's a very valuable tool before I uh, let you comment I also want to say that uh, he's got two. Uh, at least two very incredible programs at his website, which is actioncutprint.com, actioncutprint.com. Great, great materials there that I'm sure you're going to want to check into uh, in addition to what we're offering here at the Director Series and the first AD Series on, on Rex Sykes Movie Beat. So there. <laughs> Good. Well, I just want to pick up on the on the bad scripts too. It's like the learning from the mistakes. Uh, I was in class yesterday, and at the end, a couple of students came up and they were talking to me and about just a little short film they just they just completed, and it was about blocking the scene, and they didn't do this, and they didn't do that, and they should, you know what what you know. And so I said, well, those are that's what creates problems, and and I said, well, you sort of learn from that now, and they go, oh yeah. And I said, well, you know, because you'll never forget that. Like you made a mistake. Uh, everything got screwed up, and you had to reblock everything, and you wasted two hours. I said, as you go through your career, you sort of think back at these little things. You go, you know what? I'll never forget that, and I've learned from the mistake. And I think that that's uh, we, we as long as we learn from them, and not it's the definition of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So as long as we change it, uh, so same thing when watching movies is, and I've said this before. Uh, and I do recommend this. I mean, if you're in the film business, or if you're just if people are watching, listening to the show, just because they're what I call civilians and they're interested in the movies, and they're, but they don't want to do them, or they you know they're not doing the work, and which is awesome, that's great. Uh, but if you're if you're not a civilian and you're in the business, then then we have to do the work, and part of that work is deconstructing, if you will, movies and scripts. And uh, things that I recommend are are this, and I think I've said this before, but it's like you find a movie that you just think is the best, the the best movie that that you like, or the top two. But take one for now. Find the script somewhere on Drew Scriptorama online or whatever. Everything's pretty well accessed now. Read the script, watch the movie, and again, the caveat is a script. You never know what draft a script is, but at least you get a sense of the script and how what they made of the story. Look at the scenes, analyze them. Go through, uh, you know, take this scene, uh, write your shots out. How would you do it? Uh, you know, look at this. You know, do the work, do the homework, and and then on top of that, take the worst movie that you've ever seen. That is just the worst movie that you that you just don't like. Find the script and analyze that, and it's almost you're going to learn more in a sense from that movie because. You're, you know, on a good film, like like all of us, you or me or anybody that's in a business, it doesn't matter. If it's a good story, you're taken up and you're not watching the lighting or anything. You're caught up in the story. Well, movies that are not very good, um, you know, the C and the D movies or whatever you feel is not a good movie, analyze that and find out why you don't think it's a good movie. And then and then you'll start to find, and boy, do you learn a lot quickly. So that's my uh, that's my little bonus points for today. We are absolutely in agreement on that. That is for certain. Absolutely. And I think a word, right. yeah, I think a word to do in what we're doing, especially you know what I'm doing with you in the series, is is a demystify. I think a lot too. It's a good word that I've. Someone told me, you know, you demystify things, and I think that's 
and I always put things in eight of this, and there's four of these things, and there's ten of this, and here's the list right, because right. I think it's just the quick points are good to get get across. So, moving on. Moving on. So we're going to talk about specific scene analysis today, and and and, and what they can uh, do in, in these specific in, in analyzing specific scenes in the in the screenplay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just turn this right over to you at this moment and go. Right. What about it? Okay, well, you know, if people want to listen back on, I think it was show nine, the one we did before that, we sort of went over the sort of general scene in our story story analysis. And it's like they're all connected. And uh, and it's, but what we're going to do is you, you, you take an overview is that you start, I have this called reduction principle where you start very big and you work it all the way down to smallest elements. And, and this is about deconstructing. This is not about writing the script. This is about understanding what the story is about, taking apart all its elements of the script and and then reconstructing it back up because you have to do it visually as a director. And it is about analysis. And the key area for a director is if you don't do this work, then everything else is really going to be pretty mediocre because if, you know, performance shots, it affects absolutely everything you're doing. So it starts with... In essence, we we can call it script and scene analysis. We can call it deconstruction. You can call it whatever you want. It's digging it, ripping it apart, finding all what's what's good, what's not good. So that's where we start with, and and it's from a director's point of view. Again, not from a writer's point of view, but from a director's point of view. So you know, you started with you know what's the story about? That was the first thing we talked about, and then you you go over the whole script that way, and now you. You are working now internally. You, you start on scene one, and you start right in the you know you write with it. You analyze. You're going to analyze many of the same points that you did in your overall script analysis because essentially you're talking about scenes there. But now you're really focusing on each individual scene because keep in mind that eventually, as you do your homework, you're going to be thinking visually. You're going to be start thinking about blocking. You're going to start thinking about your shots. How are you going to do that? Well, that all starts with this process we're going to talk about today. So, in no particular order, we'll just we'll just start going through a list that I certainly what I do and what other directors do, and and in your analysis. And you know, first off, it's like, well, what's the intent of the scene? What's the scene used for dramatically? Um, it's interesting in a short film that's maybe anywhere five or six, seven, eight pages long. There may be only three, four scenes in that, two or three scenes maybe. Well, you know, every scene better have a major purpose uh, because you can't really take things up. But you get into a 110-page script, and there are always going to be scenes uh, that you look at the scene and go, "Why is this in the movie? Uh, what's the intent of the scene? If I took this scene out, and then and then if, if this is scene 22, and I just took it out." And I went from 21 to 23. Would it change anything? Or, and so a lot of times you'll find that those are the scenes that the story plots maybe don't continue. They're more about characterization, which is important. But if you're if you're like fighting locations or you're trying to cut down on costs, uh, you don't want to analyze, or you got too many actor characters. Um, so the key is, what's the scene for? What's the intent of the scene? If you can't figure out what it is or it's not really doing anything, then you better mark it and go, maybe this shouldn't be in the movie or maybe we should fix it up. So that's a big important thing. What's the intent of the scene? What's the objective you know, of that scene? Uh, you want to go through and look at what the main elements of the scene are as well. Like These are all the points to get across to the audience. Um, we talked about, you know, maybe this is this is introducing characters or a plot point or uh, the ship hits the iceberg or whatever the deal is, right? But what are the main elements in there? And you have to sort of make a note of these. Um, it's a long, laborious uh, job. Any director that, especially when you're dealing with, uh, you know, feature films, it takes a long time to do this work. And, you know, we tend to maybe skip over some things. Well, you're standing on the set and the actor turns to you, why am I doing this or what's the reason for, for me to say this? And if you don't understand what the scene's about, you're going to have 100 people looking at you. So uh, these are all the elements. Um, what are the plot points? The plot, These are points that move the story forward, of course. Um, and they're all a lot of these are connected. The climax of the scene. Um, does every scene have a climax? I mean, every scene technically should have a beginning, the middle, and end. Uh, is there a climax in there? Climaxes don't have to be, you know, the ship hits the iceberg, or it can be small little things. 
this is also telling you as you go through this, if the scene's not working, maybe, you know, in conversations with the producer and the writer, that maybe the scene can be fixed. Maybe it's not going anywhere. It's kind of going around in circles. This will help you do that as well, about rewriting. Um, is there a resolution? Does the theme or the message get resolved in the scene? And, of course, this is not in every scene. As you go through, it's Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. Where does it fit within the, the hero journey kind of thing? Where does it fit within that three-act structure? Um, is it the beginning? Is it Act 2, um, Act 3? I think we all know that really where most films fall down is the Act 2 uh, because that's the longest... It's the middle part, and it's like we do the setup in Act One. This is going to happen, and now, and we know where the ending is going to be. They're going to do this. They're going to win this. But how do we get there? And now we have like an hour to to have this journey, and that's where a lot of the the problems come in. Where a lot of the times the film sags because the story, the you know that that's the, so. This will help you deal with that uh, from the director's point of view. You know what I, I mean, I'm just going to venture an opinion here. I think you know psychologically the reason why is because when, when you know when we're struck with an idea for a screenplay, we we probably see the beginning and or the end ultimately. You know, we go, oh, this would be a great idea, and it starts this way and and it ends that way, and we don't spend that same amount of time nurturing the middle part. You know, it's it's all the pathways to getting there and, and all the different connections. And we, I just was going over, I was giving script notes to a, a young director here the other day. Again, by young, I mean somebody who's relatively new in directing. He's directed a couple mm-hmm. of features. Kind of thing. And, and we're just saying, you know, these things aren't necessarily plausible or they're not necessarily possible or there's, you know, you know think these things through more and, and where you connect them up. And, and, uh, and, and it really is taking time to nurture that second act. Mm-hmm. And, to, and to 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 finesse it and to squeeze it and make it just as exciting as the beginning, you know, I mean, in, in an appropriate way, but to to make it so that it holds the attention of everyone. Well, absolutely, and it's a story, you know, any film or a good film is about a, it's about a character, it's about a character and their journey, and that's what we want to see, right? We want to see that that. Uh, that character develop over time and do their journey and and dramas conflict and and that's where a lot of the you know the conflict happens you know is 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 they're just all this everything that's stopping them from achieving their goal i mean you look at lord of the rings as an example i mean and it's and again we've alluded and i think we've talked a bit about joseph campbell's the hero journey the hero uh-huh. journey uh, you know, and that's a perfect example, you know, where he's in this village and everything's nice and then something happens and then he has the stupid ring that he has to, he has to do this journey, dropping some stupid volcano. Uh, you know, it takes him nine hours to get there because I don't know how many shows they do, three or four. <laughs> but at the end, he does it. So all along the way, okay, so that's the first act taken care of. Everything's nice and, and great. And then he has this job that he's that he's been given to do. And then we know the ending, that he's finally going to succeed and stand up and top and drop it, and the world will be a better place. What the heck do we do in the middle? And that's that's a big, big, it's a big problem, you know, a lot, cause to make it interesting. So you're right. It's like a lot of the problems when you read a lot of scripts, um, and uh, it's really the second act problem. So, and a lot of the screenwriting books talk about this exact thing. It's, it's that driving force to get there. Well, one of the things I really want to point out to listeners is is that in what you're doing right now on, on here in the series and with your director series that you have that that you make available to people, but but the importance of you know this this when you say reduction and breaking things down into you know A to Z or one to twenty or or these different components is, is the notion of questions. Um, the for me, I mean, I always think about questions as, as the uh, doorway to adventure and exploration because mm-hmm. they open things up. I'm not. You, if you ask a specific question like, "What's the capital of Arizona?", you're you're going for a precise information point, you know. And the person can say, "Well, it's this," and then it's done, and 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 there's no further exploration. Um, but when you ask with the right kind of questions of the material, 
and or of the writer when you're going through and breaking the script down as a director, uh, it becomes an amazingly rich and, and incredible journey, and you find out where there are, are points. I was talking about you know, giving feedback to writers. I had another writer I was talking with, and I said, well, what's the mission of, of your protagonist? And they went, um, I, you know, I don't know. And I went, well, maybe that's why. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if, you don't, if you don't know what it is, how does he know what it is? I mean, how does this person go through, you know, what are, the, what are your main themes here? And they'd go, um, well, I, you know, and I, I mean, so, yeah. so just using the questions and, the, and, the, and, the, and these points that you're making each time to go through and ask uh, the writer, or like I said, or just ask of the material, you know, what's here, uh, illuminates a lot, and you find out a lot of where the, the holes are, where the problems are, you'll find out where the good points are, what the strengths and weaknesses are. So, so what you're doing is providing a very valuable service to, to the listeners and the people who are, who are understanding um, you know how to break things down, and this is from the director's point of view, as opposed to being a writer. This is this is what the director does. You know, right. as you've said, once you once you've got the screenplay, so it's, it's well, extraordinarily valuable. Well, again, and one of the and just to, uh, to add to that is one of the main questions we need to ask is why. Why is the scene in there? Why is the character asking that question? Why does the writer have the color blue for that couch? Like, ask why. If you ask, there's you know, if, if there's any question you want to ask, you ask why. And because that's what actors will do too. Why? Why am I saying these lines? Why do you? Why am? Why does my character supposed to cry? Why am I supposed to be walking over to there when I should be sitting? So when you ask why, you're going to find a lot of things out, and that's what you need to be doing. You cannot take anything for granted, and um, you have to dig it apart. And again, we have to keep in mind too. There's this creative element that's involved that kind of throws a monkey wrench into all our lives, Rex, and we know that as actors and directors and writers. But it's like the writer writes it. And now it's been going to be going to be interpreted by the director uh, visually, and they'll have their own points of view of the story, uh, maybe slightly different. How do we keep on track? Uh, then you have a producer involved. I mean, probably the producer second, you know, writer, producer, then it hires a director, etc. What happens if you're the the writer and the director? Uh, you know, when I've at the film school. Uh, dealing with most of the kids, of course, 90, probably 90, 95% of them are writing their own scripts and directing them, and that's good for the school when, or when you're doing your short films. But one of the problems is you have to separate those two functions. And I've always, I think I've said this before, is that I, you know, I'm talking to them before they're going into their their project, and I said, okay, well, let's send the writer to the bar, and let's talk to the director now. And then I start analyzing the script from the director, and they start seeing a bunch of holes in it that they didn't see as a writer. And I think if there is a word of caution for your listeners, that's it. If you're a writer slash director, you need to separate the writer out. You need to send them away. You need to send them to the bar on a vacation, whatever it is. Get rid of the writer. Because once you're starting to sit down, what we're doing now, and analyzing the script and going on locations and all of that, you need to see it with different eyes. Um, and I don't know how else to explain that because I think if people, you you have to say the script is the guide. It's the blueprint. And, you know, there's the expression your film is shot three times, or sorry, written three times, right? When you write it, when you shoot it, and then when the editing room. And that is all so true. So just a little word of warning to people that are hyphenated, you know. And then if you're a producer, writer, director, uh, you know, that's uh, you have to really function out. You know what your drive is, know what your story is, you know what you want to do, but they're all different areas, right? So you have to be very careful about that. Absolutely. Um, so continuing on, it's like we talked about resolution. Um, you know, conclusion. You know, what's the what's the what does how does the scene end? Um, is it you know, and and these are just points. A lot of times you don't write these things down. You just say, well, is it left hanging? Uh, is it move on? Does it want me to go to the next one? Does it resolve something or not? The scene itself um, is actually not the key area. I want everybody, it's like from writing, okay, in a script. The scene itself, it's what's on either side of that scene. And when we get into blocking and understanding all this, I'll, I'll talk more about that and transitions. But it's really about the scene, one scene or a sequence, if you will, like a chase sequence or a battle sequence, all right, because there's more than one scene in it, but it's a one entire sequence in itself, has to lead in and out. And I find that where a lot of films fall down 
is in their transitions from one scene to the other, uh, the driving of the story. So it's really important to really figure out, because as a director, well, does it sort of end? What's my? Because everything's overlapped. We're talking sort of A, B, C here because we have to. But when you're thinking of a scene, you're also thinking maybe of your shots. Well, how does that cut? Am I starting on a close-up of a doorknob and then want to end on a wide shot? How do I... And all of this happens sort of at the same time you're doing all this because you can't help but read your script and start to analyze it and shots come up or ideas or casting plus or location. That's all part of the creative process. Um, so just keep that in mind. These, these, these scene analysis is so important, but also does a scene stand on, on its own? Maybe it's, maybe it's not the greatest scene in the movie, but maybe it's two pieces of dialogue that somebody has to say that tweaks the protagonist to do something. So it's an incredibly important scene. But it's like because of that, you have to make sure you find these things out. Um, and again, major points of action. Um, you want to sort of graph them out in a sense of, okay, well, what happens in the scene? Is it two people sitting in a room? Are they talking? Does one person get up and throw a coffee cup against the breaks of mirror? What's the scene? What are the, or is it just two people lying in bed just talking about the day? Uh, it doesn't have to be big dramatic beats, but the beats can happen in the dialogue, or the beats can happen in the pauses between the dialogue. Um, from a director's point of view, you know something happens and someone's hiding something, and you know the wife asks something to the husband, and it's not his answer; it's his reaction to the question. And the audience knows what he's doing, and she doesn't, and it's the silence. That's that's movie making movies, and sometimes it doesn't come across in the script, and you have to think about that visually. Uh, also, the other thing is the. I always think, too, about the major points of action and graphing them. And I always think about, use the analogy of the hospital um, monitor where, you know, you, you look in a room or you see a monitor and, and it's and it's like a line that goes all the way through. Well, that's a flat line. And what does that mean? Well, that means the patient's dead. Well, use the same equivalent to your scenes. If you kind of read the scene and it's kind of flat, then the scene's kind of dead in a sense. Does it have little blips in it? If you got the odd blip, then I think you're doing something. I mean, it might be a silly analogy, but I use it all the time because it, it kind of makes sense because it's about these little blips go up or down. And you kind of, like life, like I'm talking, I go up and I go down. You're talking, you get excited about something. And this, it all relates back to, say, performance. How are the performance going to do these lines? Is there something in there in the character that gives them or in their background or a backstory to how they say that line, just to take the, a line that's just information and create this incredible performance out of it. And all it is is not taking away the line. It's just there's different ways of doing it. It all starts here on paper. All of that we're talking about. And you're an actor and you know that. And it, and it just starts, it starts with the breakdown of, and just going through all of this stuff. Well, what I, what I like about this, and, and, and it's real true, I mean, when you think about it, your heart beats and it rests and it beats and it rests. I mean, it's, it's always active. It just never, hopefully it never stops. And there's day and night and there's hot and cold and, you know, there's the mm -hmm. roller coasters and there's loud and soft and or loud and quiet. And, you know, we, we, we tend to notice things by contrast and comparison. And mm. But, but we, you know, homeostasis is the idea that we're trying to keep our body in balance. And so if we run and we're winded, you know, that our body tries to, tries to compensate and, and relax us, and we've got a, a sympathetic and parasympathetic. I mean, you know, nervous parts of the nervous system, and and I think too frequently that people don't think about the the notion that that things have to occur. You know, that, that real life is based on 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 this variation, and so inside of a movie, if you just have some people talking for you know ten minutes at a scene, and it doesn't really go anywhere, and you just go, you, you know you're expositing, you know. Uh, you know, saying, "Well, this is important for the story to progress," but nothing's actually happening. That 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 I mean, in a in a, in a certain situation, a well-placed moment like that might be great if it's if it's surrounded by other things that are that are action. Um, it's it is, but it's creating that variation. What your questions and what your what your what your thinking process helps people to do is to is to take the script and break it down and go. Not everything is the same. It's not that flat line. Mm -hmm. Not everything is equally important. And I think that is the 
the the biggest thing that I when I talk to young filmmakers is is they'll go, well, the script is important; it has to be this way. But they haven't thought of why other than it's on paper. Mm-hmm. You well, know, exactly, and. and and it's like what's happening in the scene is going to determine, uh, you know, every director is different, right? But it's going to determine how you want to shoot the scene because you need to determine, exactly. well, what's important in the scene. You know, Who's important? The, what's important? And, well, exactly. Yeah. And if there's a piece, of, for example, if there's a very important piece of dialogue uh, in the scene that this is the piece of dialogue or this line that this actor says, this character says, and if the audience doesn't get it, then the whole film falls apart. Then you want to make damn sure, I, I say in French, that the words are spoken clearly. There's no traffic going by to muck up, no horns, no. But you know what I'm saying. You want to make sure that, in a visual sense, that that has to be clear. I mean, he can be walking up the stairs, he can be doing stuff. I'm not saying taking away action, but I'm talking about it has to be clear. You have to be able to understand it because it's a piece of information, or it's like um, you cut. Somebody picks up a piece of paper and we look at it, and then they cut to the close-up of the, the piece of paper or whatever, a poster or whatever it is. And I've ever seen a movie, I think, I remember it was. And they, they were so far back, and of course I was watching it on TV, but they were so far back I couldn't read it. And so I didn't know what the rest of the movie was going to be about. Right? All you, had, you had to get like you know maybe 10 more millimeters closer. Let us read the thing. Or you read it and then you go you cut quickly away. And it's it's these little things that... that, that drive us insane and create these little moments, but we have to understand why. There's always a reason for something, and that's what we're trying to get at. Yeah, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I'm going to have to take a break in just a short second, and I, and I digress here with a couple of points, and that is, but my dad, before he died, said, you know, I can't watch movies today. They're too fast. I mean, I just, I can, I can barely. Oh, follow. yeah. And and I I kind of have felt the same way many times where you know I'm I might be watching a big blockbuster thing and I'm going I just can't follow this this is this is like this cacophony of visual imagery and sound right. that just you know it's just thrown at me like somebody threw a plate of spaghetti at me the result make... of Sesame Street well exactly you know I mean it's the a very two minute movie. two minute sound bites or minute and a half sound bites whatever it is yeah yeah you know I mean and, and we. Could, Talk at length about the the people who have criticized Sesame Street. Well, other people, you know, uh, applaud it, but the MTV, you know, cutting yeah, the, yeah, MTV, my yeah. PD Blue, you know, the, whatever. But but you know, there's that aspect of it, and um, I forgot what my other point was. <laughs> but <laughs> too fast, everything's too fast. Yeah, trying to control it and fast. And where do you take a breath? Yeah, it's too fast, and it's just too. It's it's too again too too much the same. You know, there's not enough variation. Peter, let me take the break, and then we'll come back on the other side of it and and uh, continue the, the discussion that you have. And if I remember my point while I'm talking, I'll I'll, uh, I'll bring it back. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, you're listening to uh, Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official website is rexsykes.com or e x s i k e s dot com. Please do leave comments after the show at the player, or even during the show. Live tweet, uh, Facebook, just share uh, the information that you're getting, share the URLs about these shows and spread it worldwide. I really hope that you'll do that and I thank you so much for your support. Uh, you're listening to Peter Marshall today in our continuing director series. Uh, tomorrow uh, Rick Vacious is the executive director and the uh, founder of the Flyway Film Fest which is going to happen in Pepin, Wisconsin uh, the 20th and the 21st 22nd 23rd of October. People are flying. People fly in from, from all around the world for this festival. It's a small festival. It's been going for four years but it's, it's great gaining prominence and people love it and, and I'm going to be lucky enough to be there but we're going to talk to Rick about it tomorrow um, Kristen Shaw is coming up she's an acting coach and an actress herself she's going to be talking about what an actor needs to do in order to prepare for a performance Christopher Hadley is a stuntman and stunt coordinator he is going to talk about stunts and safety and danger and that's something that Peter knows a lot about being a first AD and being the, the safety supervisor on a, on a set uh, and working with those people. Jane S. Benson is coming back. Jane is, uh, uh, as you know, she's been here before. She's a writer. She's uh, producing a new series called Husbands, uh, a web series, but she's uh, written for Buffy and Angel and Firefly uh, and uh, and Battlestar Galactica and Star Trek and, and Warehouse 13 and you name it, she's written for it. She's going to be back. And then Andrea Shreeman and Gregor Collins have uh, written a new movie that they're producing and, uh, and we're going to talk with them. So uh, that's some of my guests coming up and uh, you I know, hope you'll stay tuned. I'll help you spread the word both before, during, and after the shows. Thank you so much. And we're back with Peter. Um, 
I don't remember my point because I was talking, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have been. A, it was a great one, whatever it was. It, it was great. People, yes. people are gonna they, by not having it now. They're they're just <laughs> woefully disappointed and, and sad. There you go. They'll have to tweet it after. Jump. Yeah. But uh, but so continuing on. Um, well, yeah, I think and you know, as we as again, we it's the breakdown of the scene and um, you know the the important lines of dialogue. Again, we talked about asking why. Does it? Does it contain a story? Point? I remember my point. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm so sorry, um, but it had to do with remembering dialogue, and that is that I think one of the things that's going to interfere with us for the rest of our lives is is the DVR, because I now go to a movie theater, and if I miss something, I get caught in this thing of well, I'll just rewind it, and I can't. Right. I can't rewind sporting events. I can't rewind the radio when I'm listening. But I want to. Yeah. And, and I and I don't mean this lightly. I mean it would be facetious. But I'm saying that that we're we're being trained as viewers also to think, well, we could just go back and recapture this. Mm-hmm. Now, if you get a DVD, or maybe if it's streaming, or your show does, you're lucky enough to get a movie, and it does end up on television, and, and people can DVR. They have that luxury. But otherwise, I think we owe our audiences the to be as as, as crystal clear as we possibly can be, so that they catch it as they're supposed to catch it so that they don't have to go back you know so you don't have this this feeling of oh, what's going on i missed something here um and it, it goes back to your your lines of dialogue and making those plot points exceptionally uh, crystal clear or crisp for, for, for people to know where they are as the director so that you plot it out when you're shooting and it goes back to not having everything equal value again yeah, it's like I'm I'm a big fan of mystery books. I'm reading Joe Nesbo and and then uh, you know and then mystery and and the, the Hornet's Nest and you know Stig Larsson and all that. And you can all you stop and you go back a couple pages. Well, wait a minute. You, and you can do that in a novel, and you right. can't do that in a movie. And you know maybe we can do in a movie is make sure we say one or two. Uh, you know maybe they, they miss one thing and maybe you can pick it up in another. But that's part of the process. That's, that is part of the enjoyment of, of a film. Trilby and I watch. Uh, we're watching. We all watch. We're big fans of PBS Masterpiece Theater. Uh-huh. And a friend of ours gave us a series called Rebus, which is a detective in in Edinburgh, uh, in Scotland. And it's all Scottish actors with their accents. And so oh, Trilby wow. and I are watching, and we go, "What did he say?" I'm not sure. And we try to jerk because of the accent, you know. And it was a big point, you know. And I gotta love it because that's part of the that, that's the charm. I don't want it. Uh, you know, translated "quote unquote" into English. I mean, right. very funny. Like the original Mad Max with uh, uh-huh. Mel Gibson. When it came into the, it's an Australian movie, of course. And when it came into the states, they dubbed, <laughs> they dubbed all his lines. I mean, he had to speak American English. You know, at that right. point, right. it was a, and and so, but that's part of the richness. Or or you're or you're watching a sub. There you go, Rick. You're watching a foreign film that's subtitled. Right. You know, it take like I would always. I think any officiato or or when you watch films would rather watch a movie, a foreign film that's subtitled than dubbed, uh, because what happens as soon as it's dubbed, it's not the actors first of all. Most of the time, it's not the actors dubbing it, and also you're lo- you're you know they got these people standing in a room looking at it, looking at the at the script like ADR, and mm-hmm. where's the emotional context? Where's the emotion of the scene? Where where does it come out of? A lot of times, that's what you're missing when you get a dub movie. And you know, even and then there's a whole paragraph of things, and and you know, you got to learn to quickly look at subtitles and and read up and get the gist of it. And you can get the gist of a, a foreign film from also the emotional context of you don't understand the language, but you understand their breaths and how they're saying it. So between the two, you can pretty well get it. And uh, so I'm I'm a big fan of going for subtitles and not dubbed. Uh, and uh, I think it was what was the movie um, Sophie Coppola with uh, um, uh, Bill Murray he was in Japan what was the movie Lost in Translation yes Lost in Translation he was doing this drink commercial and uh, mm-hmm. and after he would the, the directors didn't speak English it was Japanese and, and so what happened was the director would spend and he'd spend like 30 seconds talking about oh, like this as a note and then and then Bill would be sitting there and then the the uh, and then the translator would say like three words to him are you sure that's all he says <laughs> it's very much like that you know i found that very funny in that sense but it is to come back into into the into the concept of lines of dialogue um you know it does come back into that what are the important 
lines of dialogue and can we hear them and who's saying them and do we say them again? So it's always that thing of where oh that person. So these are the things we always we can't maybe control at all, but we need to know about it. Because that's when we get on set. Why why do you want it like in your script you take the scene and go, Well, this is an important line of dialogue and so you kinda mark it. Well, why are you marking it? It's because when you're casting and then when you're on the set with the actor, now the actor has to make sure that this is an important piece of dialogue. So it's all is translatable all the way down and right into the editing room. Well, and what's interesting is that if you're working with an experienced director, you know, as an actor, you may say, I, you know, I want to do it this way, and the director said, well, but we want to emphasize this, you know. I mean, you yeah. know, and then you work together to craft that performance where I thought it was about something, but the director thinks about something completely different, you know. I mean, right. and it's getting you know our intuitions to line up so that you can create this believable performance from the, you know, from the actor who who didn't understand it that way. But there are you know there, there are those people who just shoot. And let you do whatever you did, and and I, I'm not a big fan of that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm I'm happy when it happens because they trust me or respect me. But I I want to know that if I'm working with somebody that that I'm, I'm I'm approximating exactly what they want and what, how they understand the screenplay and how they understand the story, and that it's getting, you know, those, those highs and lows and those points are getting across. And and don't just leave it up to me. You know, I mean. Well, that's you've made a very good point, especially for film actors, because in if you're on stage, Rex. Your audience is going to tell you in the in the theater where you're going, or is it funny, or are they understanding right. it? You, you've got a live audience. Well, in film, you've got one person as your audience as an actor, and that's a director. And that director needs to be the audience as the actors are saying their lines and performing, because that's the, the you're the only one that knows where you're going and this transit. Actors don't know. They don't know where the next location is. They don't know how you're cutting the scene. They're just right. They're just focusing on, here's the intent of the scene, here's my objectives, and these are the verbs I'm using, and away we go to the races, and, and can we do that in a couple takes, and are, are we doing, you know, but the director has to um, has to really function as far as the scenes. Like when we talk about, gra- this, is a, this is a good point, like graphing out your scenes. For example, if, a, if you've got a, you, you can't sort of have scenes that are all like landing on the beach in Normandy and Ryan, you know, and private, saving Private Ryan. I mean, you can't have a whole movie like that first 30 minutes. People are just going to like throw up. Uh, right. you, you need to cut away. You need a breathing. Um, you know, it's where there's a big car chase and then all of a sudden there's the, they lose the bad guys for a minute and then and then there's a breath or, there, or the, the, you know, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid where there's big and then they stop, they talk and they load their weapons. I mean, there's these beats and moments for the audience to catch your breath, to get information and cross, and let's go back at it again. So the actors don't understand that because you're shooting out of order, and they don't understand. So if an actor comes in and feels that they've got to be at a, you know, really be at a higher tone here, at a high end of the graph, and you say, well, no, because two scenes from now, that's where we've got to be, so let's tone it down a bit so that when we finally get to this big moment, it's a big moment. And not like, oh, one of three moments and the audience is not going to understand which is the one you want to take. For me, it's a lot in performance where I see, I think, not well-trained actors who take these long beats in between things, these like dramatic beats to say their lines. And young directors who don't who don't know how to deal with this will let it go. And you're in the editing room and you get these actors that are just like milking it, I guess is the term. Well, the problem is there is that if there is an important beat, and what I mean by beat could be just a, a bit of silence, the audience is not going to know it because there's all these other beats that are already there. So this is like this is performance, but it's like I said, it's all inter, intertwined within itself. So these are the things you need to know. That's why you this this scene analysis, script analysis, is so incredibly important for a director. Um, you know, it goes into say, well, who controls the scene too? Like who pushes the story? Each, you know, there might be a character. It could be just a waitress coming in and doing something. Said, "Do you want more coffee?" And and uh, says, "Oh, you look really nice today." And and then they have a conversation and whatever. And she's controlling or pushing the scene. We call it. So you need to know which character is doing that. And each scene is different. Each scene is 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 different that way. Um, what are the script beats? Uh, are very very important. You know, where does the scene change direction? Um, you know, script beats, uh, directors do their beats and actors do their beats, and sometimes the same, sometimes they're different. Um, it's a very visual thing. It's kind of hard to talk about. You know, you have to sort of see it on a script, but it's usually wherever uh, an action or a, a change of direction and dialogue, that's a beat change. So 
you know, you could have you know three or four or five six beats in a in a scene, and and those are going to help. Those help the actors. They, they become little mini scenes, and they help you with blocking as a director. So you really want to understand that. Um, and I think also one one thing I just want to add is once you know sort of through your scene analysis what the intent of the scene is and what the story part ports uh what the story the story points are um you can then deal with actors who like to change their dialogue um and because as long as the dialogue doesn't change the intent of the scene or for the scene or the character this is important because your actors will come up you'll block the scene and you've done this, and every actor has to. Well, what happens if I say it this way, or can I say the line this way? Can I, or can I transpose? Can I change the words around a little bit? Because you know, written maybe if it's written on paper, um, maybe when the actor says it, it just doesn't come out right. But if you change the words around, then it sounds better out of that actor's mouth. Another actor may may say it exactly in the script. It's all individual. So you need to know uh, in your script. What's the story point? Does it change the intent of the scene? If you if you say a sentence and then you want to change it around and it takes the story point out, you can't say that. Like we have to say, you know, where's grandma? You know, because the next scene is grandma's dead or whatever it is. If you don't say that line, then you don't have a scene. So I'm uh, so these are important. So by knowing all this work, it eventually helps you standing on the set working with actors. Right. That is, that is absolutely excellent. It is, it is, um, you know, just you just said all of that very well. I really appreciate that. I, I think you know, some people are going to get younger people, particularly, will get annoyed with me because I have no clue what I'm talking about half the time. But, but uh, I think of music, for example, is is the notes are while the notes are important. It's the silence between the notes that lets you differentiate and appreciate the notes that are there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's you know if if you just play one note. There's no progression in music, you know. If you just hit a, a C, it doesn't go anywhere. And I think there's an interesting type of music, like called trance. And I don't, I don't know that much about it, other than if the name implies what it typically does. When you, when you end up continually playing the same uh, bars over and over and over again, like for 40 minutes, where people, you know, people can. It's like relaxation music. It's, it's like people can literally kind of trance out because it doesn't have right. any change to it. So they just dance and they keep going, and it's a, it's a kind of whatever state that they create by it. But it, but what, what leads you along in music is those transitions and the, the successful um, execution of transitions and the, and being able to tell that the notes are changing and. You know, so you you have um, I think you know just you you've made so many great points right there about uh, you know what to pay attention to and and how to pay attention to to emphasize you know what is important. Mm-hmm. Well, it is. I mean, because of my own work of you know having to go through scripts and and the other thing that uh, you know like at the film school I'm involved. With the scripts, I've been part-time there for over five years, and I think my last count, I think I've said over 250 short films that I've been involved in the writing stage and the and the pre-production stage and on the set and in the editing room, and you really get a handle on what's happening and where the problems are and all that, and you can really get a sense of that's my like I said in the beginning of the show, that's my training. I've been going to film school for a year and a half for a couple of years. <laughs> you know, it's like wow, my learning. But it's like you get to see what works and doesn't work relative to the individual and the individual story, of course. And I think these things are very important. And you know, you just you just have to look at the script. And there's there's writing books out there that go through a lot of this information as well. But from a director's point of view, it's um, I'm just going to throw a few more things at you. We only have a few more minutes here uh, just to finish off this little part. But it's the you know the counterpoint. I love counterpoint. Uh, you know a funeral. Uh, you know sort of a funeral on a sunny day. The bad guy pets a cat, like the James Bond movie. You know, I think that the um, the bad guy grows flowers or whatever it is. Counterpoint. P- people are things that are different because that's so real. Um, we talked about scene transitions. Uh, you know, shots and transitions and images or dialogue or sound effects that music that take us from one scene to the other as you go through your script is this uh um is this sound is it music i just did a 10 minute i did directed a 9 minute sh- short film um 
couple of months ago and we did the sound mix uh, last Wednesday, you know, six hours in a room, but we did it. And the sound, I, when I direct, I, I am very sound oriented as far as understanding what my soundscape is, my sound design is going to be. And I direct accordingly and I cut accordingly. And uh, so that I, you know, and then you're, you're always open to new things that are happening and going into the mixing theater and you're doing this and watching this thing up and then you add these little things and nuances. But it's all about understanding the story and it goes right into the mix. Why, you know, the mixer will do this and go, well, no, we got to lower it down because we need them to hear this or here's a shot that I need to sell into the other. How do we transition over? Is it is it your cutting? Is it a sound transition? Is it music? What is it? You, the director, you have to know all of that before you even shoot a foot a foot of film or a foot of tape, whatever. Um, you know, foreshadowing is something too as you go through the script. Foreshadowing is sort of a, you know, an, an image or a piece of dialogue that's going to come later, uh, and that leads into sort of maybe a payoff. So, or somebody that that comes in. Uh, mysteries are a really good way of doing this because you're always, you know, you sit down, you watch a mystery. And it's like you know that okay, who did it? You know, we're sitting there watching. <laughs> okay, who did it? Who's gonna who's gonna die and who did it? That's the first 15 minutes of any masterpiece theater mystery. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you're watching all of these, and then you start, and then they're very well crafted, and it's like a, it's like a puzzle in the game, and uh, and so you're trying to listen. Okay, why did that person? Why did that person say the line? And you're always intrigued about that. Um, payoffs. Uh, like I said, are important because then that's the payoff for uh, at the end. Uh, I'm not saying that a movie has to say end and everything has to be neatly tied. That's not what I'm saying. But certain visual or dialogue payoffs uh, for the audience that, oh, okay, now I see why they said that. Or, no, that makes sense. Um, we talk about recurring motifs. Uh, one of my favorite movies is Empire of the Sun and by Steven Spielberg. And and of course, even in the title, it's Empire of the Sun, and the sun is this huge motif, visual motif that's all the way through the movie. And I show a clip uh, from this film, and in, in when I teach my workshops, and uh, all about the scene transitions and and just motifs, and it's just so very visually rich. So as a director, you you're going through that too. You're seeing different things when you're doing a film noir. You know, film noir. If anybody's loves film noir of the 40s and the 50s, it's like, well, it's the shadows and the and the wet streets, and there's a certain it's a genre and there's certain things that you need to put in there. So those are the things you look for in the script because it starts with the script. Um, you know, and you want to make sure that all the information in the story makes sense as well, because if you don't understand it, then neither will the audience, right? So that's that's important. Um, that is important. And, and, and we're going to have to cut you off right there. I, mean, I hate to say cut you off, but, okay. uh, but I know you are under a time constraint, and, and we're yeah. coming up on the, the end of the hour here. Okay. And we'll come back and, and, and continue this here. But, but those are excellent elements. I, I love the fact that, that you give so many so many things that we can go back and look at. And, and yeah. you know, you just said cause and effect or counterpoint or the payoffs when you're reading the script to go through and and go, okay, where are the, where is there a payoff? Where are the payoffs for the audience? You know, what is there foreshadowing? Are, are these things being implemented or not? You know, and or how so, and how are they being executed? So, so again, it's about honing your sensibilities as a director. Yes. And, yes. Um, uh, absolutely, and, and there's so much. Again, we could talk, you know, forever about what you just mentioned about sound design and about you know using sound to, to, uh, you know, marry to the visual image about when you will put things in or don't put things. I mean, it's mm. just absolutely fascinating, and I so appreciate you being here. And uh, and that you're coming back. We're going to continue the series. We'll let the people know um, then next time when you're going to be you uh, back. And um, uh, again, thanks so much. And, okay, right. uh, always a pleasure. Well, it always a pleasure to have you here and be able to talk with you. So enjoy the rest of your day. And until we meet the next time on the air or in between, if we should chat, which I always love doing, um, um, have a fabulous time and best to Troby. And, and we'll we'll be talking real soon. Thanks, Rex. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. And as Mr. Peter Marshall, and uh, again, just uh, a fabulous wealth of information, and I'm glad that uh, uh, everybody here who has joined us today uh, in the chat room, you know, live, or those people who will uh, 
ultimately hear about us uh, in the archived versions. So please, those of you who are here in the chat room right now, do take a moment and leave a comment uh, after the show. If you're listening archived, do the very same thing. You know, just just leave a comment at the player, and uh, or rate and review us at iTunes. Uh, share the wealth, you know, by spreading this around. Repost the URL to the interview. Uh, Put it out on Twitter, your Facebook page, or somewhere else, or you know, in in film groups and forums and things. Uh, I can't reach everybody. I you know, and people get mad at me for posting on Twitter or Facebook, whatever. Uh, I but I, you know, and I really I can't do it alone. And so I really appreciate your support and I appreciate your uh, willingness to do so. And I appreciate the fact that you that you show up and and, and that you gain great value from uh, these conversations I have with uh, professional filmmakers. So thank you all very much. Um, again, Peter's website is Action Cut Print. That's actioncutprint.com. And do go there. And he's also got an easing, the director's chair, and so many other offerings. So you want to go to, to Action Cut Print and check out uh, the different things that, that Peter makes available uh, for free and for purchase. Uh, because he's he's given the farm away. I mean, he's he's providing so much value, in my opinion, uh, to the listeners. Um, and so I thank him. And I thank you, the readers and listeners of Movie Beat. Again, many more exciting guests coming up. Tomorrow's show, Rick Vacious, Flyway Film Fest. By the way, it is at Flyway Film Fest is his Twitter address. Uh, he'll be coming up to talk about the festival that's uh, happening uh, next week in October the 20, 21st through the 23rd is the official days. There's a workshop with John Reese, think outside the box office, on the 20th and 21st. Uh, Ted Hope and others are going to be there. I look forward to meeting so many people I have not yet met in person uh, right there at the uh, film festival. So please do stay tuned. Please keep sharing this website and these interviews with all your friends and your contacts. And you can become a member of the Rex Sykes Movie Beat uh, Facebook Friends page by clicking the Like button right there. And, and if you're a filmmaker, this again, I want to extend this to you, post things on Rex Sykes Movie Beat. If you're casting, if you're crewing, if you've got an announcement, if you've got a distribution deal, if you're looking for a Kickstarter campaign, you utilize Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends page uh, as you know, as a service page for you guys to, to uh, uh, make announcements about what you're doing. And that way we can all stay in touch. All right. So you can follow me on Twitter at Rex Sykes Movie BT, Rex Sykes Movie BT. If you haven't liked my friend page yet, please go ahead and do that now. And uh, I also have a YouTube channel, which is Rex Sykes Movie Beat. It's spelled out completely, R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S-M-O-V-I-E-B-E-A-T. And uh, go there, like that, subscribe, become a friend. And you can friend us and you can follow us right there at Blog Talk. I mean, there's just so many things that uh, you're able to do so that we can stay in touch. All right? Everyone have a fabulous day. Make your movies, complete your projects. And until we meet the next time, that's a wrap. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>